0: quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's better not catch you slacking on snacking with their new two for five dollar chicken wraps and your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey, mustard and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two for five dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time of participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app.
1: From in-depth analysis of basketball and football to life advice, Ryan Russillo has got you covered on the Ryan Russillo podcast. Join him as he talks to some of the best names in sports while providing sharp analysis and wit you won't find elsewhere. Check out the Ryan Russillo podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. It's The Answer. My name is Chris Ryan. And this week, the question we're seeking to respond to is so your team's not going to make the postseason. What now? The alternative title for this week's podcast was The Loser's Guide to the NBA Playoffs. And to join me today, I have Tyler Parker, who's been writing the tank diaries for the ringer.com. So every Friday, Tyler puts up a column that's pretty Im- prosaic and like goes in a lot of different directions, but it's some of my favorite writing we've ever put up on the site. And it's basically about grappling with a historically bad Thunder team. I mean, they don't have the worst record in the league, but they are getting tagged up on a nightly basis with the exception of a Celtics game that I'm going to talk to Tyler about in a few minutes. It's such an inclusive season this year because of the play-in tournament. There's so many... Teams that are still vying for that 10th spot. There are teams that are not out of it yet. There are teams that have dreams of advancing from the playing tournament and in deep into the playoffs. It, it's doing what they wanted it to do, but at the same time, now it's like the Thunder, the Magic, the Rockets, and the Cavs are almost in this strange like other world of basketball. So when you get done with that world, when the regular season ends and, and the Thunder season comes to a close and they start dreaming about Cade and they start dreaming about Mobley or Green and Suggs, How does a Thunder fan then approach the postseason? And so I wanted to ask Tyler about how he feels about some ex-Thunder players who are going to probably play a pretty big role in the postseason. And just to get a sense of how he's feeling about the Thunder season that was, or that is, and is about to come to a conclusion. So let's get into my conversation with Tyler Parker.
0: This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident. It was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy.
2: Filming Killers of the Flower Moon there. Trey Young's in the playoffs and Tyler Parker's on the answer. What's up, man? Hey, man. Everything's coming up
1: boomer sooner.
2: (laughs) Uh, Tyler, I wanted to have you on because I wanted to talk about what you're going to do with yourself now that this thunder collapse, this thunder tank has finally pulled into the garage. You've been writing the tank diaries for us where you've kind of chronicled not only the end of the thunder season, but your stages of like acceptance and grief and anger and resignation and everything else with this process, which is a process that I'm really familiar with going through it with the Sixers. For sure. Um, we're in the, like the I guess the last week or so, the regular season here. And the Thunder aren't just losing, they're getting bodied. Like they <laughs> the they they still have a better record than the Rockets or 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 whatever. But like the point differential doesn't lie. The night to night, it's just like guys you're it's just total like, annihilation. I've never heard of this dude. Starting at small forward, just like, I'm not even sure if this was like a, they got him off like a Hollywood lot, like as an extra in a Western. When
1: they signed Charlie Brown Jr. to the first 10 day <laughs> and I saw the announcement, I really was like, but that might be like someone that might be like a fake Woj doing right. this.
2: Right. You got to double check the ad.
1: Because so how is that a real person? So I'm going to read you something that you
2: wrote because I won't embarrass you by making you read it. And this is where, (laughs) this is on, this is the second, you know, Tyler's got another Tank Diaries up on the site today on Friday, but this is one, something from the second, the the last uh, edition that he wrote, which is this. I have abandoned my desires for even respectability at this point. The tanks in full view in the high beams wrapped in Christmas lights, awash in neon. Why disguise it with close games? Before, it was, let's lose, but make it good, something close, understated. Now, forget it. No such thing as a bad boss. How did you arrive at this
1: place of masochism? The, I mean, honestly, the Celtics game. The, that That is one of the worst wins that I've ever been witness to in my life. I can't believe it happened. We are, especially if Dort's playing right now, we are scrappy enough, and if he's Having a good night, and someone else is, if, you know, if Basil's shots falling or something like that, then we could theoretically scare some people. Kendrick is playing well, you know, whatever.
2: Other teams on the second night of a back to back, guys are resting, whatever. Yeah.
1: Whatever. They're, they're, they're resting their third best guy because of an ankle, (laughs) whatever. It, but after that, like you just can't take any chances because that loss, I mean, we now thank God for Cleveland. Thank God for Cleveland, and I appreciate how hard they played that, and I appreciate Kevin Love showing up for the city of Cleveland and getting that W the other night. But we still are at risk of being tied with Orlando, mm-hmm. and if we had just dropped that Celtics game like we should have, <laughs> yes, we would be. I mean, we have bounced back wonderfully. We've really righted the ship and lost eight straight since then. So I'm pumped about that. But we could have been on just such an unbelievable losing streak to close this thing out and to get into the three hole, which is where we got to be. So, what you got? You got to get get the bottom three to get those flattened lottery odds, right? The
2: the the bottom three teams get the same odds, and then you bring up the magic. That's a really good point because there's something that happens when a team is tanking, and I mean really tanking. I don't mean like we're not good this year, but you know maybe we get some guys back from. Catastrophic lower leg injuries next year, <laughs> so like you never know with us. Right. There's there's something that happens with a tanking team where it becomes almost performance art, and especially for you guys for the Thunder this year with this this slim but possible like but still you know it's there. It's a possibility that you could get two of the top five picks, right? Right, like that that the Rockets if they are out of the top four, no, it conf- I,
1: it's you know I think that's what I think of every night right before I right. Fall so asleep. you could
2: you could have like. A Cade and Sug situation coming into the Thunder next season. But that, no. that possibility is one thing. There is also like an element of theater to what you guys are doing right now that's different than what's happening to, say, like the Magic, who are just bad. Right? Sure. Like the Magic just have like had a plagued injury, se- injury plagued season, and they're just bad this season. What do you think the difference is between a truly tanking team and a truly bad team?
1: Like at our, in the Thunder's case, it hasn't been all that. At least for me, it hasn't been all that painful because it doesn't. The better SGA got, the shorter it felt like the tank was going to be, mm-hmm. and so it wasn't like you were looking off, like man, half a decade out, maybe yeah. we'll be having something to look forward to. It was, there, it was, you know, more in the immediate, and so that was that was exciting, and it's made. Everything having SGA has made everything not weigh as much. You know what I mean? Sure, um, sure. But yeah, with the with teams like the Magic and these teams that are perpetually, especially if you you know somebody like, like Isaac goes down, and that's one of their that's one of their young guys who they're looking forward to watching develop. That's you know part of the one of the few joys of watching a tanking team is hopefully they're handling their you know, lineups in the right ways and getting these young guys minutes and you get a chance to watch them develop and watch them grow. Um, and so whenever one of those guys gets hurt, that adds to, you know, the bummer. Yeah, sure. Um, sure. No, I mean, I remember back when like the
2: Sixers were in like the sort of early stages of the process, even through the first few seasons where it would be like, Embiid's missing a season then Simmons is missing a season. And you had guys that got like really inflated Senses like stat lines like like a KJ McDaniels or something like that that winds up becoming really valuable. But then also like the fans themselves develop like incredible attachments to in a weird way. That's different than like, say, like if you're just cheering no disrespect, but for like Trevor Ariza.
1: No, so to- it it will. It's funny. Like and the the because things are so bad and because you're so desperate for the like the next young core to like already be there, you're trying to like. Crown dudes who have no business being crowned yet. And so after, the, after Moses Brown had all these, you know, 20-plus rebound nights, the Thunder signed him to, you know, it's like a, it reported as a four-year deal, but like the last three are all team options. But some people are like, this guy, this is, he's it. He's the, he's the, the, the guy of our future, you know? And slowly that has not happened, but it took you know, less than a month of good games. Yeah. For people yeah. to be like, he's, we stole, stole another one. Got door always, last year, got you know.
2: I've always wondered, like, g- how many guys in the NBA, if they got, like, 32 minutes a night, would have, like, really good stats. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is, like, because I've always just been fascinated by, like, the margins of, of difference between the most talented guys and the guys who are, like, never get into the game.
1: If there was some sort of rule where every guy... Had to every guy basically got to shoot like ten times a game. Mm-hmm. You could figure that out, I guess. Yeah. that's a terrible. I hate my answer as I'm giving it, but that's <laughs> what I have to say about that. <laughs> Do you think that writing about this
2: tank helped you cope with like how maybe unentertaining the the season's been? Because you probably like me. Understand the NBA, like I watch obviously a lot of the national games, I'll check in on teams from time to time. But for the most part, my understanding of the league sh- shot through the prism of watching teams play against the Sixers. So do you think that writing about the Thunder helped you get through all those games?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it made me pay attention in a way that I might not have if I was just watching the games. I would have probably been checking my phone a lot more, you yeah. know, trying to <laughs> trying to cope in that way. Um, but it was like it was the the thing that it was has been enjoyable about it is because you're having to look closely for the things to be excited about. Mm-hmm. Getting to see somebody like Poku make all these little improvements throughout the year it makes it all the more gratifying when you see him making some of these plays that he's made late in the year because you've you've just been paying attention enough to where the flashes initially were just these little tiny little blips and now at least they're starting to ha- be you know a little bit wider
2: yeah i mean it's it's weird because like the sixers will probably we're recording this on a thursday the sixers play miami and then they get two shots at orlando and if they win any of those games i believe they get the the one seat so they're gonna they, get the ones hey, probably hey
1: let y'all take one of t- if take care of business in the first game but if you could lose <laughs> to the, the magic <laughs> just give me sure. one You do not have to be t- both you don't got to so beat both. the heat
2: but then d- then sit everybody against the magic just
1: let let's i think that we need to give the people of orlando something to be excited about i know it's like they they don't have Bubba
2: watson and they don't have the magic i don't really know <laughs> what else to do for them but it's strange because this is even though there's been so much roster turnover the two guys in the center have been the dudes that they have been they were the ones who were promised. They they both had their injury issues early in their career. They both have evolved in different ways. Beat obviously has become like the probably runner-up for MVP and Simmons is one of the best defensive players in the league. And it it, it, it almost feels stranger this way than it would if they had had a bunch of cap room and managed to finagle, like, net style rebuild. You know what I mean? Obviously, I don't think that Philadelphia nationally has the cachet that Brooklyn does as, like, a destination. But, like, just imagine, like, if overnight they had swung crazy deals and gotten Beal and two other guys and they were just the top seed in the East because of free agency and trades... It feels a lot more special honestly to no, have you got to watch them dudes. grow
1: you got to watch them fail and get better and you, you see them establish these bonds with the city it's you know that's those are the those are the rarities now the nets titles those are the things that you know are winning the day unfortunately now so yeah. but that, I I I think it's you know I'm a firm believer that all titles are not created equal and that you know Some just mean more than others. And, and yeah, I think a thousand percent getting to watch, if you got to watch Simmons and Embiid win one, it would be a thousand times more special than if y'all went out and got, you know, Butler and... Whoever else signed with y'all and then, you know, yeah, you if trade they had, for like, who kept had, like Jimmy
2: and then got like yeah. I don't you know, like if they if they had done something where if they if they had had Butler and Embiid and then had done what they're doing and, and traded Simmons, I'm sure i I would be singing a different song. You know what I mean? Like my distaste for Jimmy Butler is really like rooted in the fact that he he left the Sixers. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't really care. Right. But, um, so this brings me to my, my main thing I wanted to talk to you about, which is what happens when you get to the end of an NBA season. And this is a sort of strange one this year because of the play in tournament P- teams that are not participating in the playoffs are a minority. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a pretty inclusive postseason this year, at least <laughs> briefly. how do you go about kind of like recalibrating how you're watching basketball getting into the postseason And, do you start to think about like, okay, thunder are out. Here's like my order of sort of preference. Here are my rooting interests lie. And how are those, how are those rooting interests kind of defined?
1: Allegiances once the thunder go down. I mean, probably the, you know, the 1A now. I think mathematically
2: be, they're out of it. Just so FYI. I think,
1: I don't think they're going to make it. I'm, you know, it's unfortunate, but. <laughs> I'll be watching every Wizards game. I'll be I'll be okay. I'll be actively rooting for Russ obviously. So there's a
2: Thunder University and there are alumni and Russ is the valedictorian
1: for you. 1000 and the and you know the dean of students and he's <laughs> you know he's <laughs> the healing. RA. Yeah, he's he's taking care of a lot of stuff. Can you imagine Russ Russ is your
2: freshman freshman dorm RA? Hey, guys, you could smoke weed, but just don't let me smell it, okay? (laughs)
1: Like, I just, just don't treat me like a jerk. There was Fred Kast for The Athletic. uh, I mean, we're recording this on Thursday, but so it posted today. um, This thing with a bunch of great Westbrook anecdotes, one of which is him forcing campaign to go to a gas station and get him an Apple Snapple before uh, (laughs) every game. (laughs) Um, Every every game had to do an Apple Snapple. Okay, <laughs> Is that like a hazing ritual? Well, and then it, 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 that was, it was supposedly, yeah. I mean, that was it. And then only uh, like well after the fact, he was at, he was talking to Westbrook about it. And Russ was like, oh yeah, no, I didn't care about the drink. I just want to make sure you would get to the uh, plane on time.
2: <laughs> I got a bit of his, but I don't think I've ever tried an apple snapple. I was pretty,
1: pretty religious about it being peach. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not even a big time snapple guy, to be honest with you.
2: No, it's been a minute. It's been a minute yeah. since it was part of my daily regimen. Okay, so like Russ start you start with Russ. So you start with the Wizards and that I think is actually fitting because not only in the same way that Chris Paul has gone to several teams since since the Clippers and brought a level of like execution and professionalism and probably I guess obsessiveness to 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 going about like improving sure. those teams. Russ has brought like his thunder and lightning act to a couple of teams now. And the Wizards' turnaround, even though
1: they're still in 10th, has been pretty, pretty thrilling to watch. I have watched more Wizards basketball this year than I ever have before. And since Russ has been on this tear lately, their games are a lot of fun. I mean, it's like, it, it, it r- reminds me of you know, why I fell in love with Russ in the first place. Because you know, whether he's playing good or bad, he's always exciting. He's, you know, and, and there's something to be said he for He always that. gives a shit. Yeah. And you know, especially in a situation like this, where you know he's they're behind the eight ball, and they they have to rattle off these win streaks in order to be able to stay in the play and hunt. I'm just glad that he's you know had this. You know, I wouldn't even call it a renaissance because I think wouldn't he like second team All NBA last year? Like it's you know he was still when once they got rid of Capella, he was amazing. Yeah, up until the you know bubble and the quad stuff. But yeah, I mean I, I've been. Excited to see him. He's got the triple double thing behind him now, I think. So hopefully that'll loosen him up a little bit more. Um but yeah, I'll be I'll be actively watching watching them. Yeah, run. now he'll be
2: like, Rui, you can have that rebound, man. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> we get we did it. Um so you know you go Russ, let's say they don't make it out of the play. who 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 goes next? Like for for you, are you still running everything
1: through the filter of Thunder Fandom? It like both that and, like, my, my, you know my wife, Blythe, is a gigantic Clippers fan. Whole, whole life huge Clippers fan. And Serge is on the Clippers. And I love Serge. And I would love to see the Clippers win it. They, were, are, my, they are, like, my number two, like, this would be awesome. The problem is, and the complicating factor, is Patrick Beverly is on the Clippers. And this is, if Beverly were on any other team in the league, in the playoffs, I would be actively rooting against that team. Is this because he banged knees with Russ that time? It's a thousand percent. Yeah, okay. Yeah. My love for my wife is greater than that so in of order my hate of, for... Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> let's, let's power rank this. So there's like your love for your wife. Yeah. Your hatred of Patrick Beverly sounds like it goes second.
1: So there's right. Like I think it would go, you know, like my love for my wife... Right underneath that, rubbing right up against it is my love for Russ. Okay. And then, yeah, and then definitely my hatred for Beverly right after that. <laughs> and then Surge is like, you have affection for Surge. I, there- aff- I have affection for Surge. I mean, he he was, he's kind of like the forgotten man in all of these things. He was around for just as long as, I mean, he was, he was around for obviously longer than Harden, even though Harden is, obviously because of how great he's become, he's sort of more remembered as that, you know, big three. Um, but Serge was around for a long time and was like always played hard. And um I was happy to see him get one in Toronto, but I would li- I would like to see him win another one. I'm I I'm rooting for him all the time. Is there any residual relationship to Paul George?
2: Is there any like complications I have, there?
1: I have no ill will towards Paul George. Okay. I am so grateful that he re-signed with us and was able to get SGA to Oklahoma city. I am pumped up for whatever success Paul George experiences. He's given me a lot of joy already by asking out. And yeah, I, I also just think like he, he did have to get serious for two seconds. The, in Indiana, he was, he was, like the number one on a team that was very good. Yeah. And experienced a lot of postseason success. And so the selective kind of playoff piece stuff has always kind of been a little strange to me. Yeah.
2: He's one of those guys that I think the, the, like a lot of players come with caveats or a lot of players' careers. Like when you talk about them, they come, they have these little like caveats that like, oh, go, and then this happened. And some guys, we spend a lot of time talking about the caveats. Like I feel like we've, like, I don't know, Kawhi, for instance, like maybe gets a lot of like, well, you know, you got to understand what the quad and was, he was managing it this way or whatever. And right. there are other guys like that. And then what ha- what has happened to Paul George over the years? I think we're just sort of like, yeah, that's cool. I mean, like we did, we did see that guy's leg explode like yeah. on camera and he's come back from that. And I think that, you know, obviously he's been pretty candid about what he was dealing with in the bubble. So I w- I would, you know, I'm not like, there's something aesthetically about the Clippers that I kind of still don't like. Maybe it's like the Von Dutch like kind of uniforms <laughs> or <laughs> right. but I I like Ty Ty Lue. I like a couple players on the Clippers. I'm I'm like kind of a Kawhi agnostic even though I think that like at his best he is probably the best. I like um, Terrence
1: Mann.
2: I'm a big Terrence I like Terrence Mann, Mann too. And um yeah, so I, I I'm not like mad about the Clippers, but this isn't about me. This is about you. So sure. we talk about Russ, and we talk about Surge. And those two guys obviously still occupy uncomplicated, loving places in your heart. For sure. And then I think it gets a little bit stranger. It gets a little bit more uh, ambiguous when you get into Harden and Durant. Or is it?
1: No, I mean, if this had happened, you know, if like, if they they had hooked up a little bit sooner, for sure, the wound would be very raw. Right. It's not... Like, if, if Durant had gone to Houston, basically. For sure, right, exa- right, yeah. It would have been much worse. Like, it's still, I would rather them not win. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> because I don't, I'm not trying to see Photoshop's making me sad for the next, you know, mm-hmm. year. All these, like, how are you going to see? Side by side, the three of them, you know, Media Day, whatever, 2010. Thunder, and then you're gonna see Durant and Harden without Westbrook and Durant and Harden are gonna be holding the Larry O. and right. I'm not pumped about that. you right. know what I mean? I'm way more okay with it than I like would have been a few years ago. Um, but yeah I, I i like don't want that for Russ. It seems like if you if the thunder were the thunder of last
2: year, like if the thunder were like a chippy seven seed or something. Right. It might be a little bit harder to swallow to watch a super team with your guys, like cu- like being like conquistadors across the league. But now it's like you're so far out of it; it's almost like you're playing in a different sport right now.
1: Like if the if the Nets do win it, like okay, like whatever, like it's okay. The so, take take your fandom out of it. Do you find the Nets like aesthetically fun to watch? I think that once all three of them start like playing together and have a few games under their belt, I think probably offensively, it's going to be amazing to watch at times. I really think it'll be like a lot, a lot. I mean, the, the, that pass Harden through, uh, the other night, I mean, I was much oh, to, to green. Yeah. The, the long bounce pass. It was amazing. And you know, I was much problem with the Harden dramatics as anybody, but like it's, he's an unbelievable passer and well, that was, I,
2: it, the, the, his pl- him playing point guard changes how I think I mean, I think he I know he played like pl- on ball playmaker in Houston, but there is like a distributing he's distributing it in a different way in Brooklyn than I think he'd played in Houston I mean he still does a lot of like dribble dribble, but still
1: and I'm not like a Kyrie hater or anything i like you know he's so good like his handle's so unbelievable, just some of the stuff that he does like i don't i i've i don't i don't i try to not think about like you know whatever he was in Boston or stuff like that. Like, you know, Hey, we mature, you know, we get older. Sure. But But there are other uh, guys
2: on staff here uh, at the ringer who can think about what he did in Boston. It's okay. (laughs) uh, Yeah.
1: So yeah, like my Brooklyn
2: thing is that I would love to hate this team. Uh, For some reason, it's hard for me to like, I, it's hard for me to like develop a sense of animosity for them, partially because they're so like, they're just like a test tube team. Like you just threw these guys together, and it's working on like a historical level. There's parts of me that kind of like, I I kind of like would love to see like D'Antoni be proved right in some regard, you know. And so there's, I I mean, not at the expense of the Sixers.
1: Yeah, I what where what, like how do, how are you feeling? Do you feel like? The Sixers, like where where, where are you, if Sixers-Nets, if that was, a, if that if y'all met them in the Eastern Conference Finals, what it is your... It depends on
2: whether or not basketball is different in the playoffs this year, which I know it will be. Right. Um, I was talking with Rusillo on his pod a little bit, but I went to that Suns-Lakers game, and I was really struck by the defensive intensity of the Lakers against the Suns, and they were obviously underhanded without LeBron, but, you know, that felt much more like playoff basketball than anything I've seen possibly even in the bubble, like, you know, since going back before that, where it was like the Lakers were almost entirely relying on Anthony Davis to score. And then Caruso was just like getting after Booker's ass as much as he possibly could. And guys were like really pressuring, pressuring ball handlers like up on their shirts. So I am really curious to see whether going into the playoffs, like some of the free and easy shot making that we've seen this season where everybody I think has just had their minds blown because guys are playing in quiet, empty gyms, and you know maybe you're a little bit more focused. I don't. I, I. I. I'm speculating, but I do wonder whether or not having some fans back in crowds and having those fans be, you know, let's face it, like intense enough to be like the first thing I want to do out of out of lockdown is go to
1: a basketball <laughs> right. game.
2: Right. I'll tell you that in Philly, I bet they'll probably boo the Nets. You're not you? going They're there to have a bad it.
1: time, Chris. They're going there to have a good time. It's going to be kind of
2: intense because like I was at that Lakers game. Let me tell you, like the dudes on the court heard what people were
1: saying. Oh yeah. Like there was a couple of times where I saw Chris, like turn Chris Paul, turn around and be like, what did that guy just say? Do you think it's going to make for more of those kinds of interactions? Do you think that like, there will be more fan player interactions that are sort of clear to a television audience? Well,
2: this is the thing, is that in the same way that when you have these seven game series is the players start to get tired of each other. I think the players start to get tired of the fans. So I think on one hand, like when you're just like in town for a night and some asshole in like the 50th row or whatever is screaming <laughs> about you or your mother or whatever, right. like you might be like, this sucks. But like, I think if you see that guy for the third night, for you sure. might be like, I'm like, I'm so, I just, I'm curious to see with fans in the building, and I don't know. I just felt like watching the, the Knicks this week, watching um, a couple of Suns games where they, I think, faced like a little bit of extra sauce on, from their opponents. Like, what's, what's it going to be like? And so the big question is then, if basketball is like different, if there's a little bit more defensive intensity and if these possessions are contested, what does that do to the Nets? Because sometimes I feel like the Nets, when I watch them, have been the best team on a flat track. But what happens when they have to go uphill a little bit?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know how they'll work out that final shot type of thing. I mean, to me, they a, might be up fifteen in every game. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if it, like to me, it's Durant, but I don't know. I don't know what they do in those types of situations. And I totally get like, I think it will be an adjustment if it if if things do slow down, if they do start to kind of grind. I think it will be an adjustment, especially because they haven't played a ton of games together, but it just seems like more and more in the playoffs, everything comes down to how many guys do you have that can get tough buckets in isolation that, like, can, you know, switch on defense and can, you know, go into a phone booth and get a bucket, you know what I mean? So to answer your
2: question, I think the Sixers have two and a half of those guys. Right. You know, and that's, and the and the, and the Nets have three, three and a half, you know?
1: So that's that's the question. That's what I keep coming back to. And I I mean, I'll be, I hope that they play because I would love to watch Simmons guard Durant for yeah. seven. Yeah. That would be amazing.
2: Defensively, I think that they pose the biggest threat towards the Nets. Like, I think they can throw Simmons and Thiebel at those guys. I think they have a lot. Y'all, of y'all like, can
1: be gigantic too. Yeah. Like, and y'all can, can be huge. huge. There would be no
2: shots at the rim. So it would, and you know, and like you just send Dwight out there and like, uh, honestly, Howard's gonna go out there and get thrown out of a playoff oh game for, for gosh, like
1: you're right.
2: for crushing a guy for coming in the lane, and like that's like maybe it's it's retro and stupid, but it'll have an effect.
1: We so, got figure out if we can like put some money on uh, Dwight Howard, Blake Griffin tussle because that's guaranteed.
2: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, I'm I'm feeling pretty psyched about it. I'm glad that they will not have to face like this gauntlet that the the other side of the bracket will. Uh, in terms of the the, pl- the teams that they're playing, but they they also might see Miami pretty early, which is going to be tough. Let's talk a little bit about CP three because, in some ways, I don't think that the Thunder obviously. I don't think SG is a is where Booker is as to, in terms of his career, right? But you could make the argument that the Suns are the best possible version of what last year's Thunder could be. You know what I mean? Like you basically uh, yeah. have Chris Paul playing point guard, a young star in the backcourt with him, and then really complimentary pieces around them. Now the eight and thing's a little bit different depending on how, how high you are on him. Obviously they have Bridges, Thunder have Dort, but I, I do think there are some similarities. How does it feel to watch the Suns essentially kind of like, takes Chris Paul and go to the top of the mountain on the west, in the West?
1: I've honestly been really happy for Phoenix, and I—I I was not big into Chris Paul before he got to the Thunder. I, I was—I would not consider myself a Chris Paul fan, and thought he could be a little grating at times. Um, and but he—I mean, he was amazing for us. So it's you know it's it's hard to you know hold any ill will there. I mean he's still like tattling on people for having their you know jerseys untucked and being ridiculous in you know very s- specifically Chris Paulie ways. But like I'm I have nothing but you know lo- love Chris Paul's direction after after last year. And I'm I, I I've always liked watching Booker play a lot. And so I'm excited to see him have enough talent around him to where he can have some of these moments in games that actually matter it was fun to see him elevate in the bubble last year um just because I, th- I I like any guy that really wants to take those shots at the ends of games you know what I mean he's not afraid at all um and those types of you know players are exciting to me so i've been I've been pumped I hope that they I mean, it seems real, but I I have no idea what to think. I mean, there's been so many injuries this year. It's if LeBron and Anthony Davis are healthy, it's hard to say that they won't win it. Winning but- the first
2: round against the Suns. I mean, that was that was the, like watching the the Lakers against the Suns. I was like, man, this is going to be a problem if the Lakers if the Lakers knock the number one team out in the first round. It's just going to be pandemonium. <laughs> um, So I wanted to wrap up with this. So we have a sense of who you're kind of like rooting for in the playoffs. But I remember when the Sixers were in the tank division, the amount of uh, anxiety and inter fan base arguments that would happen about who they should draft and who you want to draft. And this is obviously one of the most like hyped up draft classes in a minute, I think, because we're talking about three to five franchise guys, um, three to four or five franchise guys. And, you know, like, the MB draft was nuts because it was like, this is such a gamble, you know? But if you he, if right. he's if he's healthy, he's a one. No. The Simmons draft was like a no-brainer, and obviously I'm still kind of like recovering from the Fultz trade. <laughs> have you kind of started to get Cade tattoos? Are you are where where are you at with this class? And have you started to like? D- develop preferences among these guys.
1: I'm working with an artist right now on a K tattoo that I think is going to be pretty cool. I can't really anything about it yet, but it's... Um, it's going to be tough a, when he's a rocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, we. You know, hopefully, you know, you know, hopefully just me doing it will... Sh- that that kind of faith, you know, faith can move mountains, Chris. That's right. And I think that... <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, I'm... Where am I at that? I'm, I'm at, like, in my... um. On my like YouTube account, my watch later has, you know, multiple of Kate Cunningham mixtapes and Jalen Suggs mixtapes and Evan Mobley mixtapes and things like that. Like, I'm trying to figure out like how much I like all five of them. Yeah. So that you feel okay with it. Yeah. Like, I don't, cause I, I, I don't know how much I like, and I'm stupid, but I don't know how much I like Kaminga, you know, and I, and, you know, I hear some smart people talk and they're like, I don't know if it's, you know, the potentials there, but like the shop making, whatever, I don't know, you know. And so I, I have, you know, I have some anxiety wrapped up in that. A, a lot of my anxiety is just wrapped up in Lotto Night in general um, and like trying to not like, you know, cage the pie in the sky, but trying to not get too excited about anybody else so that that's. I can accept whatever the result is. Yeah, a little like, bit easier. I,
2: I used to think that second was a really good place to be because it kind of takes... I mean, obviously, you want to be one and you want to have the the shot at the transformational, immediately transformational player. And if that's what Kate is, that's great. Or, you know, I, I think that there are starting to be, like... At least I think I've heard arguments about about Green versus Cunningham. I can't claim to like be a Green expert. Like in in a lot of ways, I'm the worst person to talk about this because I'm like Suggs, Suggs is pretty good, you know. Like <laughs> yeah,
1: little well, I've seen. I think Green is so awesome, but then I like you know some smart people who work at the Ringer are like I don't know. A little I know. too. I' too small, I don't know.: But it,
2: it gets into your head, because like it starts to be it's, it's like the least controllable thing. It's literally up to a lottery. And so you can't even feel like sometimes you're like, if you're watching a game, you're like, if I stay at this part of the couch, or if I have a beer at this point in the game, or if I do this, this and this, somehow, psychically, I will get George Hill to like close out on a three.
1: Yeah, you want your you want your vibes to accomplish. But it's so something. hard to do
2: that with the lottery. And then it's so, so hard to hard. do that when you've got like, you know, impressed who you trust, but it's hard to believe that like, okay, it's all gonna work out. He's gonna get these guys, and we're not gonna get screwed with like a class next year where we get a bunch of bums.
1: Right. <laughs> right. I mean, I the the thing that like looms over all this is the possibility of getting that getting two top five picks. Like right. that that Houston that the potential to get that Houston pitch, which I think right now it's like, you know. 46% or something like that. We could be whatever. Um, that's the thing that like, as long as we get to the bottom three, whenever I go to all these Sims on tank of Yeah. Usually at least one of them's in the top five. Yeah. And yeah. that's all I ultimately care about. Like I just want one of them in the top five. But if we got two, I would, you know,
2: if you go to two, You'll you have to come back on the pod and just do like a 54 minute monologue about like about how you believe in the future of the American project. <laughs> um, Tyler, man, thank you so much for joining me today. Dude, thanks
1: for having me. This was awesome. I appreciate it, buddy.
2: Thanks for listening to The Answer today. We were produced by Steve Allman and you can listen to the Ringer NBA show four and sometimes five times a week. We've got the real ones. We've got the group chat. We've got mismatch on their own feed we've got ringer nba university we've got the answer on fridays and also check out bill and rusillo on their feeds for more nba talk we will see you next week